Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a couple of different places on the internet. We're live over on YouTube, the tube. We're live over on Crowdcast, the cast. Or we're coming to you later in your podcast feeds on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're kind enough to download and listen to the show. We really appreciate it. But very excited about the show tonight, guys. Very excited to hang out with you. I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. We haven't been taping podcasts every day. And you've it been is. working so hard, Justin. Oh, God. Well, I'm in it's the mind. I haven't seen you guys in like three days or something. It is wow. weird to not see you. To both of you. But <laughs> yes. not just Alex, but you, Pete, too, the other host. Oh, yes. thanks. Uh, now, I'll mention somebody over on YouTube before we actually get into the show here. Jack Rudy says, I'm ready for this beard fight. We were actually Whoa. talking about this right before we came on. Uh, we haven't done this in a while. Have we compared? I mean, we're all stroking them now. But, uh, yeah. Don't say that. Don't well, say it, that. Fondling. It is, we're fondling it, them. We're fondling them. That's the industry term. Um, <laughs> oh, the beard industry. Alex, your beard looks very like controlled, mm-hmm. uh, sort of like, uh, and Pete, yours is a little wilder, a little more like emotional. Yeah. I, I feel like the, so. these these beards are indicative of our personalities. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yours is looking a little crazy <laughs> right now. Honestly. Yeah, it looks <laughs> Sketch, bro. Just a little bit. It's too long and it's too weird, which is who I am also. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, listen, we have a couple more amazing beards coming at you down we the sure show. Do. And a couple of clean-shaven folks, I believe, as well. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Ooh, Later what a fun on reveal. in the show, we're going to have J.H. Williams III and debut Hayden Blackman, the team behind Image Comics Echo Lads. But first, let's kick it off with our first guest, he is a friend of the show and the creator of Jason and the Olympians, which is on Kickstarter right now. His name is Shane Berryhill. Shane, welcome to the stream. Hello. Hey. What's up, everybody? Hello. Hey. How are you doing? Thank you so much for coming on. Very excited to have you here. Uh, you do you have a while we're rating beards? You have like a light Rating. goatee. Go. A little uh, yeah, nice go. It's, a nice it's, goatee. You know, it's, it's silverback territory. Ter- ter- I've got a little feedback going on. Uh-oh. Oh, did you fix it? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's pretty that's intense. Nice. Uh, tell you what, I'm going to talk for a minute. Do you have any headphones, maybe? That's a try powerful. That. Yeah. I shall be. <laughs> I think wow. he's traveling. He may be traveling through time. Possibly. 
I don't know. If he becomes wow, a little baby yeah. with a goatee, that would be something different. <laughs> uh, well, we'll try to mitigate this as much as possible. And if you do have headphones, I would definitely suggest trying those out. That might help. But let's talk about Jason the Olympians, which, as mentioned, is live on Kickstarter right now. As of the moment, you have 19 days to go. You're, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. You got $2,390, which is nothing to sneeze at pledged out of $6,500 goal. So you still have a little ways to go, but you're doing pretty well already. Uh, how are you feeling about your Kickstarter, first of all, and then we'll get into the book. I better go get those headphones, guys. Tell you what, here's what I'm going to do. You get the headphones. I'm going to talk people through your Kickstarter while we're going here. Oh, no, nice. oh, this is we're good. Just, we're just going to roll with stuff. We're gonna, Who needs guests? Alex can just impersonate everybody. Yeah. I'm Shane Berryhill. Check out Jason. Oh, no, that's oh. terrible. Yeah, don't, don't do hey, that. Alex, I started impersonating him, and suddenly it started echoing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a badge of honor for your impression. Yes. Uh, so Jason Lillipids, uh, it is a book, as it says here, a crazy fun action-packed space adventure. I believe you're doing it with artist Alex Ogle, as yeah. well as I'm reading here. Uh, Maticia, Monaco, and Maja Opasik are the other members of the team, if I pronounced it correctly. How are we doing over there, Shane? Better? Let's try it. Yeah. Yes. Right. There we go. Beautiful. We go. Okay. Well, right. thank you, all of you, first of all. <laughs> Thanks for my beard. Um, <laughs> what but, did you give uh, the the 10-year-old who you took those headphones from? <laughs> Man, I beat my son down. Oh. <laughs> he can grab them really quick. Um, but anyway, I want to start off sincerely thanking you guys. Um, you cutting on each other, talking comics. Man, it's helped me through the pandemic, and I'm so, oh, so oh, many man. other. So oh, thanks, thank Shane. you from the bottom of my heart. That's um, so nice. Jason it's great to see you, man. Yeah, yeah, you too, Pete. Pete, we 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 go a little ways back. That's Pete right. That's up. right. Back in the day, we would uh, be pitching Marvel stuff. We didn't get anything, but we no, had a, we had the great pitches, man. We had some good <laughs> ideas. <laughs> Those guys don't want us, but anyway, we're too cool. Um, too cool. Jason and the Olympians imagined a hundred years into the future, the gods of Olympus have been wiped out by the dark alien menace behind the Titan legend. So humanity has escaped on a spacefaring arc, the Starship Olympia. Wow. And it's up to teenage prodigy Jason Mukai and her demigodis companions to take their giant robot uh, colossi and form an even more giant uh, <laughs> a robot, Talos, the protector of the Starship Olympia. Humanity's last hope. Is Jason and the Olympians? Oh man, you got oh, that awesome. pitch down. That's very exciting. Yeah, now, yeah. Uh, looking through this book, uh, I've read through the first couple of parts. I guess I don't know if you'd specifically call them issues, but definitely episodes. I guess is what you call them. Um, this seems very anime or manga inspired. Was there one or more things in particular you were calling on when you were coming up with this idea? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, uh, Jason the Olympians is a comic for fans of Star Wars, Evangelion, old school Voltron, admittedly. Oh, yeah. All those uh, huge. That's the vibe I was getting. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the art. Um, it's by, I believe, uh, Maddie of Monaco. I've only talked to him like this, so I'm probably butchering <laughs> his name. But Beautiful that guy, art. artist from Italy, he's done work with Aftershock. If you can imagine like a cartoony Sean Williams, I mean, he kills it. Yeah, and then yeah, 
um, the uh, colorist, uh, Maya Opasic, man, she's bringing the full Technicolor Thunder Boom. I mean, just making Maddie's art sing. Yeah, and so I cool. should say, uh, my co-creator, Alex Ogle, fun fact about that guy, speaking of people who Marvel does want, he's got an alternate cover coming up for uh, Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man, number 75 this October. So, Oh, awesome. Yeah, super pumped for that guy. Nice. And, uh, good well, fun. So <laughs> good fun book. Yeah, I agree, man. I really love the art. It, you know, it has some heart to it, which I really think helps the story. I think this is a real great mix. And uh, yeah, I was tearing through this, man. This is a great adventure. Uh, I can't wait for more. Well, thank you, Pete. I like the way you think, brother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, He's a deal maker. Uh, yeah, I mean, comics, any genre of any kind, you know, we want to get it, it's admittedly a fun popcorn book, but Nobody cares about that unless you hang all that stuff on emotional characters and bonds and just, you know, steep it in those things. So um, I hope I hope your fans and watchers and listeners will go to J-A-C-I-N dot info. That's the Kickstarter site. Um, you back the project. If you can't back it, I understand. Please like and share. Um you're going to have a roller coaster of a time. We promise. Awesome. Yeah, it's a great mashup of different uh, different genres that I think we're all fans of. And the art is really, for those of you just listening, like it's so dynamic. Like it's uh, and it's something that a lot of comics don't quite nail. I feel like you guys do here with this. Yeah, Maddie killed it, man. He uh, he's actually he's an aftershock veteran artist. The the uh, series Knock 'Em Dead. Mm -hmm. um, so I mean, oh man, I would. Uh, describing the script, you know, like ship and hanger, and he would come back with just this intricate Mobius. Like I was wow. like, "Whoa, dude!" But uh, you know, I can't, I can't thank him, uh, Maya, and Alex enough. Um, they've, they've really whatever little pittance I gave them as writer, they <laughs> just elevated it into this huge blockbuster of a project. So. They are the wind. <laughs> oh, oh, I forgot that we have a whole section where you just sing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, Multi-talented. They are fantastic. Can you talk about how you're breaking up the book a little bit? Because, again, the way that we read it, there's a couple of different episodes there. So in terms of the Kickstarter, what are people getting? Are they getting a first issue? Are they getting the whole graphic novel? What can they expect? The, the entire graphic novel is done. So it's not a will you get it, won't you get it. Um, now, we are mentally coloring the very last chapter of four, um, but that's just icing on the cake. Um, so you will get a complete full story, original graphic novel with this, uh, this first Kickstarter. Um, that's how we're breaking it up. You know, comics are limited real estate. So if you can imagine like Alan Moore's the the end of comics text faux articles and stuff we have just a world build and make it cool flesh it out we put in like a, a letter from uh, Jason's deceased mother to her uh, oh. an e diary there's a uh, robot centauraton called Chiron who in Greek mythology was uh, trained the demigod heroes but in our book uh, he's more a PR manager. So he has like a Dear Abby section where he gives the lowdown on Jason and all the rest of the Olympians. So just fun stuff like that. That's cool. 
Great. Uh, that's awesome. And again, it's running for the next 19 days at this point. So if people are listening to the podcast later, when is the cutoff date for when they can pledge the Kickstarter? It is September 12th. Okay. Please go again to info. <laughs> it's uh, short for Jacinta. Jason's mm. uh, heritage is mixed uh, Portuguese and, and Japanese. Um, so cool stuff there. Uh, other things on the horizon have projects with the awesome people at Scout Comics. Um, comic books kill. It's, it takes the long hush-hush rumor that Golden Age Comics served as a front for the mafia. Um, mm. So Scout was the only publisher with the courage to publish that, this. <laughs> uh, wow, it sounds but, risky. Yeah, but it uh, it takes it takes that rumor. So, in other words, uh, Golden Age Comics creator Jack Levi enters into a secret love affair with his Harlem socialite mistress of his mob boss benefactor, uh, and per- places his life and career on the line. It's Jack and Stan meet the Sopranos. Wow, so, yeah, that's cool. You, I love you the got idea these that pitches people... down. I want to mention. Yeah. <laughs> Woo, Rip Flair, baby. Uh. <laughs> I love the idea that back in the day when like the comic scare, they were like, these comic, these mafiosos are staying up all night writing and drawing these superhero comics. <laughs> and they're trying to make a 10 cents a piece on this. It's dirty money. Like what what's the conspiracy theory? Well, the rumor that. is, you know, um, back in the uh roaring twenties when um the cheap Canadian printer trucks that would print the comics, would bring uh, booze over in secret. Probably well, true. once prohibition is lifted, we just run with that. And it's it's uh, instead of pulps, it's comics. Instead oh, that's of awesome. uh, booze, it's H. So, Wow. And, it's great. Heroin. H being heroin, not wow. heroes, right? <laughs> okay, all right. I got. I love how you music. use uh, insider terms with us because you know how down a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. heroin culture we are. You guys are real. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, tra- <laughs> we're, in it. we're great gangsters. I run a small operation out of this uh, lawnmower. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shane, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, good luck with the project. You. Very excited uh, and to see what happens with it. And fingers crossed that it all works out with the Kickstarter. That's awesome. And uh, good luck with the other project, too. It was great seeing yeah. you. Yeah, man. Thank you guys so much. Check out info. Check out uh, Scout. And check out Macroverse. Got a project coming. The Top Secret Service. James Bond meets Doctor Strange. Wow. All right. You're, really, you're you a modern day Stanley. Love it. Just uh, need Shane, a catchphrase. How, uh, yeah, wait. Should we give him a catchphrase? You want to? Can we do Excelsior? No, that's taken. That's taken. That's uh, the only one I got. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything else in that shack back there? You sure you can look around, see what else you got back there? Yeah. Oh, how about cornhole? How about cornhole? <laughs> cornhole! <laughs> Oh, we'll Go workshop on, it. Man. We'll have you on the next time after the Kickstarter is successful, and we'll we'll workshop the phrase then, Shane. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you uh, to your fans and watchers, guys. All right. Take have care. Have a good night. Later. All right. Uh, once again, that is Shane Berryhill. The book is called yeah. Jason and the Olympians. It's on Kickstarter now until September 12th, as you mentioned. And, I have a follow-up question real yeah, quick yeah. before we jump in. Uh, Pete, you said you were pitching Marvel a bunch of stuff. Could you please elaborate on oh, that? Thank you for looking back to that. What's uh, that secret life you had? 
Well, I, I don't know if you remember, but there was a time where, um, uh, you know, um, yeah, Alex was having stuff, you know, on Marvel and, you know, mm. like you had comic book stuff going on. So, you know, I was trying to, I was trying. Nice. Wait, so you're, are you comfortable talking about any of the pitches? Yeah, okay, exactly. Pitch, pitch us on what you were trying to pitch them. Well, it was <laughs> funny because back then we wanted to do a Hulk horror book. That was kind of our main pitch. And now uh, that's yeah, why you hate that's that. That's why you hate it. Because no. you never got to do it. No, it's not, jealousy. Not, no, come on. No, I'll tell you what, jealous. that's very, that's, yeah. you know, it's amazing that you had that idea that became what happened. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a bit of a bummer, but that's awesome. Yeah. You're ahead of you the curve. also had this idea about the X Men living on two islands that fuck each other, right? <laughs> no, I never had that. That's, idea. that's the real reason. I'll the, buy everything. It, yeah. Everything Pete hates, he secretly pitched before. <laughs> like, like you're saying, X Men, um, Tall yeah. Wolverine. Tall Wolverine. He, he hates Justin, me, because he pitched me yeah, to Marvel. Pitched you. That's right. He pitched you to I'm your mom's dad, right? right? That, that's right. Yeah, my parents are like, we want a, a beautiful daughter, and Pete was like, "Hey, Mr. Mrs. Tyler, come here. Have you ever thought about having a weird beardy son? Huh? Classically trained, Sold. of course." Classically trained, of course. Classically um, real trained, quick, but yes. I know I, hey, another yes. one more thing. Uh, just to shout out the comments. Uh, first off, uh, Derek, I just made the stole his joke. Pete's pitch, Tall Wolverine, very funny. And then Eduardo, every time I feel like I know the basic narrative of Pete's life, he introduces a new ring, and that's a hundred percent true. We need we need an oral history of Pete's life from these podcasts where we learn about every bit of crazy nonsense that he's told us. Um, Once every couple of months, you surprise us. You you keep it fresh, guys. You gotta keep it you fresh. You got us I again. Yes. When you were a whistle stop hobo for um, <laughs> riding across America on the train. Okay, mm. Alex. You know what, Alex? I think it's time that we moved on to the next. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. Oh, All right. Thanks, Justin. Really appreciate it. We're gonna bring in our next two guests. Big fan of these guys, so I'm very excited to chat with them about their new Image Comics project, which is out tomorrow, called Echo Lands. They are W. Hayden Blackman and J. H. Williams the third. Hello, how are hey, you? Welcome, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Just to loop back to what we talked about earlier, Hayden, you are clean shaven. And JH, you have an amazing beard. Amazing beard. <laughs> so we're covering all Sweet of our bases here. I dream of that beard. <laughs> we have to compliment each other. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's talk about this project, or rather, uh, people know you very well for your projects you've done before, but what spurned on this project that you're doing together with Image Comics? What was the initial? It, it seems like from the back matter in the book, this is something that has been percolating for a very long time at this point. Yeah, I mean... You know, Hayden and I met a long time ago at uh, at a San Diego convention, and uh, it was kind of this cool situation because, like, at the time, he was with uh, the Lucas guys, and so all the Lucas guys had a dinner with some image guys and some other comics guys, and uh, we all kind of were geeking out on each other, and that's how we sort of first met. So, like, all the comics people were freaking out on the Lucas people, and the Lucas people were freaking out on the comics people. It was, so it was a fun time. Classic. And uh-huh. we sort of hit it off that way, um, mainly through Alex Sinclair, the colorist. And so Hayden, I don't know, something about, you know, Hayden and I just, we easily connected. And we ended up doing um, a Hellboy short story uh, for Hellboy Weird, Weird Tales, where we decided to kind of work together on that. And we both enjoyed it a lot. So I ended up mentioning to him this this weird thing that's been percolating in my head for since I was a kid. 
and uh and he thought it was awesome and so it started there man well let's talk about the book in particular echo lands because it's a very unique world and it's a very unique uh hero as well so i guess Continuing with you, J.H., since it started with your idea, what was the initial idea? Was it uh, this world that you came up with? Was the character and everything grew out of that? Or where did it start? No, I mean, a lot of the world came out of conversations with, you know, Hayden. I, I, I had a loose concept of what the world could be. And some of the char- characters that could populate it, particularly Hope, uh, she was the, the main protagonist that lived in my head since I was a kid. And so those are the elements I kind of brought to Hayden and then, you know, kind of really relied a lot on Hayden's uh, world building aspects since he worked in video games. And that's such an important part of, you know, video games uh, that we felt like something could be, you know, built out of, out of that. Uh, He loved the idea. So, we just kind of started having conversation after conversation, seeing where things went. Well, Hayden, over to you then in terms of the world building. So JH comes to you with this idea, given your background, where do you start building a world? Like where is there a specific aspect that you begin with, or is it just throwing ideas on a page and then whittling them down until you come up with the right ones? I mean, it's a little bit of both. We, you know, the, the first thing that, that Jim kind of, had in his head was this image of hope and he kind of pitched to me this idea of, of hope and and the fact that she steals a gem from kind of a wizard and we knew even as soon as i think the word wizard left his mouth he's like but you know i don't want it to be a traditional wizard but we need to find a way to make it feel you know kind of different and turn the the kind of cliche on its ear um but the the notion that she kind of stole this gem from this wizard and was on the run was the the kind of starting point for it but then as we started talking about other characters and other characters that, that Jim had in his head, you know, we core, I think was one of the very first ones we started talking about. Who's this kind of big biker hun, you know, that uh, you meet in the, the, the first issue. Um, there's another character that we introduce in the, the second issue named, uh, uh, or we reference in the second issue and you meet, I think in the third named Romulus. Um, and as those characters kind of started to formulate, then I think we, we knew that we needed a world that they could populate and, in order to make them all fit, we had to kind of come up with the hook, which we're, you know, we don't want to talk about too much. Uh, <laughs> we don't want to reveal anything. It's kind of the, sure. you know, but, but something that would make it all kind of mesh together. Um, but then for me, it was really about, you know, once we knew kind of who the central characters were in the plot, then it became, okay, you know, what is all the questions you kind of ask yourself whenever you're trying to, to flesh out an environment, right? You know, what is the level of technology and what does religion look like? And, you know, what are the, the the kind of social strata? What does that look like? Um, and as you've seen, it's kind of the genre mashup, right? So really early on, the answer was like, well, it's all of it. <laughs> you know, <there's, laughs> religion, well, which one, whatever ones we want, we'll throw in there and, you know, kind of run with them, right? Um, whatever, you know, kind of social constructs or politics, those types of things, we, we, you know, we can almost put anything into it. But uh, we did frame it in, in, you know, this, again, there's a scaffolding that kind of holds it all together and we don't want to give away yet, but, um, and that, that kind of dictated almost every decision we made from that point forward. Well, I wanted to I, ask you about, Oh, go ahead, Justin. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Just one quick question. I feel like you guys are ma- comic maximalists. Like the way your, your work looks, it's just like, it's so, 
there's there's so much composition and i i'm always like how do you guys approach that is that something that it's like well we wanted we you start with that idea or do you sort of walk up to it a little bit well i mean i don't know it's it, it's kind of an organic process really uh you know like Hayden was saying, some of these characters lived in our heads for a bit, and some of them were built upon things that were ideas at the very beginning, but kind of transformed themselves as we moved along. And as we talked about those characters, that kind of informs a little bit how you want to approach the visual presentation. Um, you know, I, for me, you know, all my projects I've been involved with involve some sort of visual experimentation, and I didn't want this one to to be any different than that, you know. But how do, I want to explore ways to experiment in way in ways that were different than what I'd done before. So one of the things we first early on adopted was the idea of doing it landscape, uh, a landscape. Yeah. We we talked about that pretty early on. Um, and, uh, without really, without really understanding what that meant as a challenge, yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think, you know, Hayden and I very quickly discovered, particularly as I started drawing, how much it affects the writing process and how scenes are constructed. And, uh, it's been a, a fascinating, um, learning experience, um, kind of giving ourselves that challenge. But the end result is that Hayden and I have come up with something that as you read it, doesn't feel like any other comic. And that was really what yeah. we wanted to have is what, what can we do with this that made it stand out from other comics, particularly important because it is a genre mashup. There are these familiar elements that people can relate to from being fans of whatever. Um, but the way we present it sort of is f from a fresh set of eyes, I guess you could say. Um, and it feels like it feels like like almost like film strip, or like it's a it's rare to enjoy a comic close to your face and also no. far away from it. And yeah. I feel like that's something that like no, it's ama it's amazing to to be able to sort of conceive of that um, as you're making this together. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we set out for it to feel like you know, film strips, uh, the thing that comes to my mind when I look at it, it reminds me of old adventure comic strips in some ways, even though that some of the layouts get kind of fancy. Um, <clears throat> but the flow, that right to left flow, that kind of widescreen effect that some old adventure strips might have kind of reminds me of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, Oh, go ahead. I, I just want to say, artistically, your guys' books really kind of like stand out on the shelves. I think what Justin is talking about a little bit there. I, I'm just so impressed. It, it To me, it just feels like people who have worked in this industry uh, for a while and know comics well enough to know like, okay, we're throwing these rules out the window and we're really going to try to do stuff that'll, that'll make this stand out. And as someone who reads, Time it's so refreshing to read these books because it really hits you differently. You kind of it's not the normal pacing. You've got to kind of like let, let your eyes adjust the page a little bit. What is yeah. your guys's like for a reader? It's just awesome to kind of like see and to experience. But what's your guys's favorite parts of the process? Oh, 
<laughs> That's a loaded question. I'll let you go first on that one. <laughs> I mean, the, the, all of it, right? The flip questions, all of it. It's, uh, but then it's all my least favorite too. So, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> no. I mean, well, thank you I think for, for the me, the, the best. Yeah, the the, the best part. Um, well, it's all just hard, right? You know, I mean, when you're digging into it, it's you yeah. know, writing can be hard. Right? So, uh, but I think for me, it's always exciting at the very beginning, right? When we sit down to talk about a new issue because everything's possible, right? And and you're not, you know, it's it's what are we what are we going to try and cram into this issue? It was always a very exciting conversation. But I think even more than that is when once we have the first kind of draft of the script and Jim and I are going back and forth and kind of you know talking about different scenes and sometimes debating directions that we want to head and and talking about specific lines of dialogue. That's the most exciting to me because it's the collaborative process just kind of really coming together. And then and then it kind of. For me, because I'm, you know, I'm not an artist. I'm not the artist, right? On the on the book, it, it kind of goes dark for a little bit, and as Jim works on it, and then I get, you know, kind of the 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 first pages back, and that's that is maybe the most exciting moment for me because you're seeing yeah. it all kind of come to life and seeing what we had in our heads, kind of, you know, showing up on the page, and then being able to do kind of a final dialogue pass based on some of that stuff when you already have something to work with is incredibly gratifying. So, so I mean, it's all fun and exciting and just seeing where, I mean, you guys know, like Jim, Jim, I think he's doing his best work and we, we, we push boundaries on that one. I felt like, but seeing yeah. some of the stuff that is being done in every issue here. And, and one of the reasons, I think I told you this, one of our first calls or first conversations when we talked to him, that the thing that blew me away about Jim's work on Promethea was the way that he handled the panel design and how yes, every, like yeah. it wasn't just, you know, the layout wasn't just a stock layout unless that's really what the scene needed. And, I think we tried to push that really, you know, further in, in, in Batwoman and we did some interesting stuff there and then we're doing it again here. So even that, even like sometimes I don't even look at, I get lost in the panel design and the, the way the page is laid out. Um, and that's very exciting too, just to see how it can differ from issue to issue. Um, at the same time, and this is again, a, a benefit and a challenge. I don't know if everybody knows this, but Jim, like I always get called the structure guy. Cause I like, you know, I, I do like structure and I like knowing where we're going to start and where we're going to end. But Jim is incredibly rigid sometimes about like, we're going to always start this way. And we're always going to end like with that woman. We always started with what those three panels, right. And we always ended yeah. with the three and, the, and started black and white and went to color. And I forget those things that Jim, because it's in his head, adheres to that stuff. And we're doing similar stuff here. So with, with Echo Land. So I think it's this nice kind of combination of this, these kind of themes that will carry through and this structure that will carry through, but then also, it's very organic in places and we're doing stuff each issue that is surprising and different from the previous issue, which keeps it really fresh. It's so funny to be like, well, the artist is always the freewheeling like uh, yeah. person here. Like, no, he actually is the rigid one. He's the one. Dictated. <laughs> well, to be fair to Jim, just in those kind of ha- like we, you know, those handful of incidents, right? which is, which is good. Right? It keeps us honest, right? We always want to start like every issue begins with, if you saw from this first issue, with kind of this more free form, full page, you know, shot of a of, you know a character and again without giving away too much um revealing a little bit about about an event that's happening that, that kind of is the backdrop for the the whole story and um as that kind of unfolds you'll see that issue issue and then we kind of bleed into the, the the issue itself but but having that and knowing that that's an anchor that we can always go back to and it's like well because it's hard sometimes to just start right but knowing well at least we know how the issue is going to start yeah. every time it's always going to start with this one big page and 
some narration from Hope's point of view talking about one of our characters and this event that's going on. It's really helpful because it allows us to I, you know, kind of jump. Yeah, through. I love that stuff. It, it feels rigid, but it actually gives the reader something to be like, this is the this is what it is. It's yeah. like what we hold on to as we read these books. Like, oh yeah, we do this. It it helps us. It's another form of uh, just the the story itself. I feel like. Yeah, for for me, that's you know, having a certain set of rules for the opening and ending of each issue to me is sort of like it's like an episode of a television show, maybe, or you know, or you definitely know, okay, we're now starting a new chapter because the image has done this and it ends here. We know that's a new, the end of a chapter. I always kind of feel like that sort of having that kind of set of rules helps for the design flow. So, you know, what you got to do and where you're going to end up. You know, it's one of the, one of the things I've always been very strict about um, with scripts from, you know, myself and Hayden or with scripts from other writers is I need a whole script from the beginning to the end. If I'm going to do what I do, uh, <laughs> I know how it ends to inform how I begin. What a, what a demand, what a demand. <laughs> you see the whole script. <laughs> it's important. you know. No, it, <laughs> but, of course. <laughs> in terms of like backtracking a little bit, one of the things that excites me is even though Hayden and I, very early on came up with this very, very solid outline of what we were going to do from beginning from A to Z. We knew how this thing was going to function. As we started writing and drawing the issues, what's excited me is certain things jumping out at us that we hadn't considered. Um, So certain characters taking a more prominent role as an example than we had originally considered uh, as an example, in issue two, we were introduced to some additional cast members that originally we had no place for. We, we, we kind of said, oh, we need to do something with these certain characters um, that we didn't plan for. And the result... Well, we were going to kill a bunch of them off. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> we were going to kill a bunch of them off. And then... <laughs> yeah, well, we do, but yeah. <laughs> we, we kind of said, no, some of them need to survive. But what that does is open up a whole new set of parameters for the story because what do you do with these new characters? And the story is actually better for it, for making that on-the-fly decision Um, because it wasn't a decision that deviates the end goal. It doesn't, like, change the the outcome of where we're going, but it makes getting to that outcome more rich that's been super exciting for me on how some of those things jumping out at us that we hadn't originally anticipated. Um, so we've got a lot of that, that we've kind of come up with along the way. So, you know, whenever you come up with a new idea that you hadn't planned for, it kind of sparks a new, another idea and how to explore that while fitting it into the structure that we've set up without you know losing ourselves from the original structure. You're kind of talking uh, about this anyway in different aspects, but does story trump structure or vice versa, or does it vary from time to time and page to page? Oh, I don't know if it trumps. It can be helpful. Um, I don't think there's a you can you can trump. You have to basically know your rules, but know them in a way that you know how to break them and for it to make sense. 
Does that would you agree with that, Hayden? Yeah, I mean, structure's there to help, right? It's uh, and parameters are sometimes good, right? I mean, we on the game development, it's we say this all the time. It's a cliche, right? That you know, having a being in a box at the beginning is sometimes good because it it, it forces you to be creative within those limitations. Um, but in this case, you know, this whether it's the structure of an issue or the structure story itself, you know, um, to me, it's a, it's a guideline and it's, and it's an aid and it can help you when you get lost. And like I said, it, you know, having that, knowing how we're going to start every issue from a layout standpoint is really helpful because it allows us to dive right in and kind of get our, you know, kind of creative juices going. So from that standpoint, it's great. But if we ever come up with an idea that, you know, breaks the structure or we, you know, we want to take a, a, a detour here and not, you know, slow down the rising action or some other, you know, uh, a key kind of plot point. Um, we'll do that because it's, it, it feels like it's right for the characters in the story. And as Jim said, like, you know, the characters surprise you sometimes and they, they, they take the story in different ways. And I think, you know, I, 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 it, it's funny. I, I map a lot of the stuff I do out in like Excel. So like a spreadsheet, just because it's easy to look at. Sure. You know, it's easy to look at and it's easy to sort and, you know, you can put page counts in and things like that. Right. But again, it's just a guide. And I think that, you know, I, I haven't looked at that Excel sheet in a while because I know how far we've already uh, diverged and it's the right thing for the story. So it was a good way to start. And it was good to have those kind of guardrails early on, but you got to bust out of them when the story tells you, you got to go a different direction. Or the character says, I got to go over here instead of over there. I'm so curious, like your Excel spreadsheet, is that for the, the macro story or like an internal yeah. to an issue story? No, well, it was both. So, it started out going like kind of issue by issue. We know how many, I mean, you do, you, you have limitations in comics right away, right? You know how many pages you have, right. right? You can only fit so many panels on a page. Although I think I keep trying to break that. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like to, to, to break the lines. Careful what you say. Find, find <laughs> room, right? But there, there's only so much you can fit on a page and you can only do, you know, I always joke like there's no budget in comics in the sense that like, you know, you can go from a desert planet to an ice planet to a jungle planet all in one page if you want to. You could never do a, that in games. Your artist in might live action. You. Live action, it's very expensive to travel. The right, you can never do that in games. You can never do that in live action. So from that standpoint, it's really liberating. But there is a budget in comics in the sense that there's a certain number of pages, a certain number of panels. And you can't do expos- exposition, lots of dialogue, and lots of action, and big establishing shots all at the same time, right? So, But, yeah, so the Excel spreadsheet was basically like first it was each issue and like here's the synopsis, here's how many pages we're going to devote to it. And then it was literally breaking down each scene mostly so we could figure out how many pages we wanted to devote to each and, and make sure huh. we were kind of moving fast enough. Um, but again, it's like after I think the second or third issue, we're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're – well, I'll go back to it at some point, but we're already, you know, uh, uh, ahead in some areas and behind in other areas just because the, the story yeah. in different directions. Hearing yeah. you describe that document is very stressful to me personally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in, ter- in terms of page count, we even, we even kind of screw ourselves up there a little bit because – Issue three, we were like, no, we can't do this in 24 pages. We need 26. So because wow. we a- added certain information that wasn't originally there, and we're like, no, this scene has to be here, but we can't do it in 24 pages. We have to have 26 pages. So we kind of even you know, mess ourselves yeah. up in that regard a little bit. But what's cool about doing a title with Image Comics, we can do that. There's yeah. no one telling us we can't. We can do whatever we want. So. 
nice. I, I have a very dumb question for you, and I only ask this because we only read the book digitally, and I'm very excited to physically pick it up tomorrow. What does it look like? <laughs> because, <laughs> and the reason I ask is because, like, I, I opened up this PDF, and normally we open up the PDFs as like, okay, scroll through it. And you know you could just sort of uh, it shapes like it. this. Okay. Oh, God. so it is. Yeah. It is wide. Okay, it's more wide. But but, so, but this this is Jim's brilliance, though, right? So the the logo is designed to sit in the corner. I don't know if you can see this, but uh, it sits in the corner. So you can put it on the sh and against kind of hard cardstock too. So you can put it on a shelf and display it, like you know, alongside all the other comics. You don't have to take up kind of two slots with it. Wow. But once you get it, then you open it, you know, that way. Wow. Right? Oh, okay. You so bastard. You beat the system again. <laughs> so vertically, it's about the same size as a regular comic book, but you read it horizontally. Correct. Yeah, it's okay. exactly the same size vertically. I mean, it's okay. the wow. exact same dimensions. Well, let me ask you a follow-up um, question then, because, particularly based on the page that we're looking at right now. What is have, paper? <laughs> what, are, what are comics? Just real quick. I'm new to the show. We just get emails. <laughs> yeah, people are like, they want to talk to you. And I'm like, I don't know. We had a juice guy on the other day, and I was like, I don't know what juice is. I'm just babbling now. Anyway, uh, so we're looking at this page right now. Given that you have the fold in the middle there, how does that affect your process? Like, we have a guy who's punching across two pages is that frustrating to you that you have the fold there? Do you compensate for that? Uh, how do you hit it art-wise? You always have to take the fold into consideration when de dealing with a spread. Um, and, and you have to... So, like, this guy's in the center of the book, but mm -hmm. if you notice the, the core construction of where he sits, he won't be interfered with what he's doing. Right. So the storytelling, no matter what, will remain clear... And, um, and so that fold shouldn't bother you too much when you get to it. Uh, we're hoping like when we do the collected edition that we can do, um, some sort of production tricks to mitigate any gutter loss for that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, particularly like if we get to do a hardcover, you know, if we do it sewn binding, it opens up way flat. So it, it reads right. really smooth. Um, since I've been experimenting with double page spreads for such a long time, that was one of the things I learned very quickly. Um, you know, cause I've made the classic mistake that I've seen, you know, some other people make from time to time where you put too much information in that divide um, right. and stuff gets lost that you didn't want to get lost. So it's always a trick for sure on, you know, understanding what's going to be there and what can I accept to be there and what can't be there. Hmm. Uh, we got a question here on Crowdcast for you guys. This is from Michael Vinoy 79. What are the deal with the raw cut editions of Echo Lands? Okay. The raw cut editions essentially are this idea that we came up, came up with based on a conversation with Eric Stevenson. Um, he was looking for something that we could do that was unique with echo lands uh, that, you know, he was any ideas that he could, we could think of that would make it kind of extra special beyond what it is already. And I had mentioned to him in that conversation that when we did Sandman overture, we did these things called Sandman overture of a special edition. So each issue chapter of Sandman overture had an extra issue where we printed the artwork as it looked from leaving my studio. 
Wow. So if I did something that I colored myself, either painted or digitally colored, that was actually printed in that version without any other colors involved. Um, and then the lettering was put on translucently so you could still read it, but see kind of the artwork through those bits and pieces. Wow. So I mentioned that to him and he's like, then that's what we do for this. Let's do that for this. <laughs> and I'm like, are you, at first I was like, are you sure? Because this is going to be a longer running series than Salmon Overture. And he's like, well, you know, let's give it a shot and let's see what, see what we can do. And the, so it kind of gives people, particularly uh, comic aficionados who are interested in process on what things look like sort of midway through. Yeah. Uh, it kind of gives them a little taste of, of, of that. Yeah. Hmm. It, it's fun. Hopefully people dig it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, I wanted to get back to something you mentioned way back at the beginning of the interview. You were talking about not really saying what the hook is, what the twist <laughs> is necessarily at the end. How do you, I mean, I know you're doing it right now, but how do you sell a book like this without laying out the core concept? And, and I'll mention that we've had this discussion a lot on the show. And we've heard a lot of different answers from a lot of different people in different directions. So I'm just curious to get your take on it. Yeah, that was a big question that Hayden and I had to figure out. Is like, what, what do we do to promote this book without yeah. giving away what the secret of the Echo Lands is, right? Mm -hmm. But it was important to do that because once people see what we're doing, once we make that reveal, it changes everything you understand about what you've been reading. And so um, there was no way we could just reveal that out of the gate. And so we had to rely on all the, the key elements to promote the book, you know, the characters and the, the wild visual settings and the genre mashup and the bigger story to be told, regardless of what the, the, the secret is, all that stuff still applies and is dynamic and exciting, whether you know what the secret is or not. So. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it goes back to kind of the world building question too. We want to build a world that, you know, can support endless stories. But if you don't care about the characters that you meet in the first story, you're not, you know, who, who cares about the world, right? Exactly. So um, that, you know, you, we want, hopefully readers are invested in Hope and in her crew and, in you know, their their kind of flight from the wizard and that, that pulls them in. And then when they, you know, find out kind of the, the, the history of the world and kind of, you know, the, the, the reason why everything is the way it is, it's kind of icing on the cake, but they're already invested in, in the characters themselves. Yeah. And hopefully it rewards for people that want to go back and reread it. Cause then they'll go, Oh yeah. There's little things here and there all along the way that kind of like it's right there. <laughs> you know? So yeah. Uh, I did want to ask you guys just, I know uh, you left Batwoman and it was not the absolute best experience. Obviously you're on this now, but is that a world you'd ever want to return to Marvel DC or anything like that? Or are you just all in on echo lands right now? Uh, for me, I mean, I wouldn't, it's kind of a double-edged sword really. I mean, I love doing that kind of stuff, you know, the DC stuff and the Marvel stuff, you know, it's always fun to work on those characters because I, you know, you love them. You're fans of those characters and you see what other people do with them. And you're like, Oh, that'd be so cool to, to do this or that. Um, you know, and I ended up doing that Batman black and white thing last year for kind of that reason, but more, that was more about because the editor involved asked me to do it. And it was somebody I, I admired. And so I said yes to that. Um, but uh, 
you know, as far as going back to something like Batwoman, I, I don't know if we could. I think if we really, really had our minds put to it, I'm sure Hayden and I would do some crazy cool stuff with it. I just don't know. I just don't know if all the stuff in between from where we left to where things are now, if we could find gratification in doing it, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a good time when we were forced to leave. Um, but, you know, what can you do? As far as going back to doing corporate comics in general, I mean, you never know. I mean, weird stuff happens all the time, but I know for me, and Hayden probably feels similarly, if we can make something like Echolands work, why should we go back? Mm-hmm. Right. This right. is ours. This is, yeah. let's, let's create our own things that can have their own shelf life and hopefully go beyond us. You know what I mean? Um, it's fun to play know, covers, but it's also, it's also fun to release your own album. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, and it really does feel like, like we've been talking around, this is a natural extension of what you guys were doing on Batwoman, but even bigger and wilder, and there's more ideas on every page. It feels like it's, like we've been talking around, really expanding on that, both visually and in terms of the storytelling, uh, and creating something new, so it's very cool to see. What So the first issue comes out tomorrow. It sounds like you have a big, long plan for this book at this point. Uh, I define long. (laughs) (laughs) However you define long, as long as your beard, a beard. uh, We we, we know. I mean, in the 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 story, Echo Lands is the series, and then this story we call Hope's Crucible, and Hope's Crucible has a has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, you know, and kind of we we know where where it's headed, and we know where it ends. Um, but that's not the end. What's that? We just don't know when. Yeah, we don't know when, right? We don't know how much of that other stuff's going to creep in as we, we go head towards yeah. the, the ending of this, right? That's but it's, more I, than you think. I always feel very yeah, right? weird well, about asking this question. I feel like this is a very typical comics question. It's like, hey, congrats on the first issue. When are you finishing? <laughs> <laughs> but Yeah, so but but the, but the world itself and the even the direction that we're headed with the story is, you know, allows us to tell more stories. Like I said, you know, we wanted to create a world that, that supports endless stories. So I don't think, you know, even if we were to wrap Hope's Crucible up tomorrow, which we're not, but the, you know, the echo lands can continue on well beyond that, it would, you know, a, a number of other stories and, and other characters and, you know, other plots. So essentially it could be endless. I mean, because of the setting that all this takes place in, we, that's one of the things we, we're so excited about at the beginning of developing this is we could see that potential right away in the concept about uh, the endless possibilities. We could tell any kind of story about any kind of character in there. And that just, when you, when you have it being so open and broad like that, you know, it could be endless. So, you know, right now we're telling the story about, about hope and, and the discovery of, the truth is about this world, but what does it mean beyond that? There's it's wide open. Yeah. Cool. 
Well, it's an awesome book. I'm very yes. excited, even though I think I read it through twice already digitally. I'm going to go to the comic book store and pick it up because I really yeah. do want to see that physical Got to hold on to so it. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, congrats, you guys. Thank very you. excited to read book. the rest of it, however long it runs. Uh, and we'll hopefully you have you back on soon. Thanks, Thanks so, much. so much. Thank you. Thank you. Great All to right. talk to you guys. So good. Bye. Later. All right. There we go. Wow. Once again, that is J.H. Wow. third and W. Hayden Blackman. Image Comics Echolands is out Pretty tomorrow. damn cool. So cool. So, so cool. cool. Such a good book. Uh, like I said, legitimately, I cannot wait to pick it up physically and just pour through every page because it's I so can't awesome. wait to talk about it in the stack. I, I love, Alex, that you had a real moment there where you're like, why do I ask this question? About <laughs> we do it. What the thing I, is, like, I do it, we do it with TV as well because like, I cover TV for my day job and it's like the same thing where it's, oh, really love the first couple episodes of your series. How many seasons are you going to do? Yeah. When is it ending? Because I'll tell you what, the real answer, Alex, is fuck you, man. As much as they will pay us to keep doing it. I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, but also, I, it was a real Jesus take the wheel moment for you, Alex. Uh, <laughs> just really you. let it go. It was funny, Justin. It's in my head. Every time jo- uh, Alex talks to me, my first thing is fuck you. You know what I mean? And then I Did go, you call oh, me John was- just now? <laughs> <laughs> It was weird. I was right. sort of feeling Pete energy for a minute. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to feel all of your energy as we move to the next section of our show, which is my conversation. Oh, your audience questions. Woo! And for audience questions, we are going to you, the audience, to ask oh, questions yeah. of us the hosts of the show and you can do that one of two ways you can either go on youtube and drop something in the comments i'll keep an eye out for that or in ask a question over here on crowncast and we'll get to those in a moment i see a couple of those coming in already but please first, start each question with fuck you alex and then can i ask you no that is not a way to talk to people people no, not, not for very sure nice. this not very nice so uh definitely drop your questions there we would love to get to them we would love to talk about anything geeky or otherwise but before we do we should talk about what you're drinking tonight now first we should mention the official drink of this evening is this is hard to explain but brett macris our resident chef yeah stray bullies i guess given up on doing <laughs> the Gotham City Cocktails cookbook and has moved on to a very weird coloring cookbook yeah. for drinks. How dare you say it's for adult that. children. It's adult superhero children, right? based cocktails that you can also color in the picture of. <laughs> and so and I think a he found just this based on a... the image. The only thing we could tell from any of them, so there was Captain Marvel, there's Black Panther, there was Deadpool drink, there was a Spider-Man drink that I believe I could see the word peel, so I believe it was a drink with banana peels in it, mm, is what smart. we established. Delicious? Yeah, we orange. established yeah. that. Uh, but Captain Marvel won, and Captain Marvel's drink was a Manhattan. Like, that was it. That's all right. What's wrong with I, that? I love a Manhattan. Love Don't get Manhattan. me wrong. I was just surprised. I thought there was going to be like a, a Carol Danvers flair to it or something. Oh, it was a Negroni, says Straight Bullet. Yeah. Oh, it was a Negroni? Yeah. We're way off. In, really? in your face. No. Oh. No, it was a Manhattan. Uh, the okay. Spider-Man. The oh, Spider-Man. The Spider-Man. I got you. No, the Spider-Man was a Negroni yes. with a banana peel in it. And the yeah. Captain Marvel was a just straight up Manhattan. What is happening? Um, anyway, my vermouth went bad, so I did not make a Manhattan today. But So I apologize about that. But do you know what today is, guys? Do you know what special day today Tuesday. is? It's Tuesday. No, man. 
Today is PSL day. It's pumpkin spice latte today. So, of course, I had to pick up some pumpkin from Southern Tier to drink it. You! It is fall! Here, sorry, I'm, I have to leave the stream for like yeah. the rest of the show. <laughs> it is, okay. first off, it is not fall. It is in no way fall. It's summer. It I'm sweating through my hat right now, which is the thing that happens in fall, right? Uh, sweating through your hat? Are you all right, dude? <laughs> I thought you could, there's something wrong with your body. It's very hot down here. I have to turn off the AC because it's too loud for our podcast. And it's just Aww. I'm sitting in a basement and it's very hot. Sorry, um, I Pumpkin uh, stuff uh, is something I don't like. So um, the one, the one good one you honestly should try it because it's on shelves now is this Southern Tier pumpkin. It's on shelves. I mean, are you fucking getting a cut of this or something? <laughs> Southern Tier pumpkin and now in stores. I love on shelves. That's yeah. a selling point. Yeah. It's oh, on shelves. Oh, Which I'll tell you what. Talking about selling things. Thanks for the prop, Pete. We should move on uh, before we get to the rest of the drinks and talk about this week's sponsor, right? But you're cutting off what you're drinking in the middle to do the sponsor? <laughs> All right, we'll come back to the sponsor. Right, Justin, good. go ahead. Um, uh, I uh, had a uh, Montauk Wave Chaser. Believe me, I love a Manhattan. I have all the stuff up there. But I have been out on the town two nights in a row. Whoa, uh, all right. My man, John my man John Gabris was in town, and we had a full double baby, back-to-back babysitter uh, two night nice. It was wow, a real, uh, we were celebrating. Fantastic. It was very fun. It was expensive. I will tell you that. <laughs> um, so I'm just sipping on a little bit of beer, though I will be about to open another Narragansett. Ooh, that, I found that last that one I, was sketchy, nice. but you survived. That's good. I survived, and this one was also in the cooler right next to the one I drank last week. Speaking Excellent. of uh, coolers, I'm drinking what's left over in uh, my cooler from the bocce wow. tournament this weekend. A little Ooh. something. Yes. Pete, becoming an old man before right. our eyes. Yeah, I appreciate the fact that you're having a Lagunitas, though. That's a step up from the usual poison you have. But you know what doesn't poison mine. you? When you use the Manscaped, our sponsor for this week. <laughs> the our sponsor for this week. I don't know. I'm yep, having trouble with transitions. You Do you know who's also having trouble Arr. with transitions? Me. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston... Do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pelts will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job. From the leaders in male grooming, join the two million men worldwide and Pete who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping. With the code FANSIDED20. Justin, oh, you're, wanna... you're going you're gonna to find so many things inside this package. You got the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. 4.0, that's like, they've, they've worked on this thing. Yeah. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose uh, Hair Trimmer. Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. Uh, crop Reviver Toner Performance Boxer Breeze. And a travel bag to hold that entire amount, the number of appliances I just named. <laughs> Uh, it's so many, and you get a bag to hold Good it. Good improv, Justin. <laughs> no, that's written here in the script. Oh, okay. uh, the script that we're reading. Yeah. Uh, 
You got the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. Uh, it, yep. It's a guide you on a journey to trim your body from all of the hair that we're talking about. Uh, the this is a fourth generation trimmer. Features cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Pete, we're talking about you, the grooming right. accident we keep talking about, but never saying. <laughs> yes, we'll never say what we happened. We'll never specifically say what happened to you, but it happened, yeah. and then you got the lawnmower 4.0, and whatever it was grew back. That's. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Oh, that, I guess maybe it's a different accident than what I was talking about. Oh, okay. About. Oh, you were thinking of something else? Uh, yeah, something a little more extreme. Okay. Oh, Pete's eyes closed. Uh, the lawnmower <laughs> 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor and a new fu- multifunction on off switch. Uh, oh, okay. yeah. Don't forget about the light. You got you oh, a light, light on there. That's the best part. Yeah, I'm it has a 4,000K LED spotlight. It's very cool. Uh, you know, it also includes the weed whacker, uh, which is great. That goes right up your nose. You just put it all the way up there like a COVID test. What? No, Pete, wow, nice selling point. I like Pete. You, you're the guy at a concert shouting "Free Bird," but instead it's about a 4,000k LED spotlight. On Drum it. solo. <laughs> Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code Fansided20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code Fansided20 at Manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you, and Pete nah. will thank you too. So there you go. There you go. All right. One of the- my balls, I call Pete. Yes, let's move over to a question here over on YouTube. Nelson Martinez says, really enjoying watching Stargirl and Riverdale and also your podcast on both. Which show would be more fun to watch if the cast members were swapped? And who would switch with who? Mikey with Hiram, etc.? Mikey Mikey is the real villain of Stargirl, of course. Oh, man. Yeah, wow. I mean... Mikey is sort of a junior Hiram. I kind of like Mikey as Archie. I feel like that would work. Of course you do. I mean, honestly, Pete, don't you actually want to watch that show? You want to watch the Stargirl cast in Riverdale? Yeah, it'll be fun. Pete Wait, loves Amy the Smart cast. subbing in for Mage and Amic. You feel good about that? Yeah, but it's, it's what what would be wrong? like your two loves or something. Let me a little shorthand, Alex. Anytime you say Amy Smart, Pete's going to be like, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Who would uh, I hesitate to ask who Luke Wilson would sub in for because we know who it is and it's a sad answer. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. It is a sad answer. Oh, That's man. fucked up. Rest in peace, uh, Harry. Alex, which show would you prefer with the cast? So it's swap? Stargirl cast goes to Riverdale or Riverdale cast goes to Stargirl. Yeah. I feel like I'd probably get more mileage out of Riverdale cast going to Stargirl because it would be much more nonsense. So I'd have a lot more fun watching it. Like, the Stargirl uh, cast could do Riverdale, but I don't think the Riverdale cast could do Stargirl. Ooh, interesting. How dare you? See, but I, I, could I, be I like Star watching Girl. the train wreck. Betty could be Stargirl all day. I that think the opposite. Really? I think I think the cast from Riverdale could pull off Stargirl. The yeah. cast of Stargirl, like, you'd have you Luke Wilson over there just mumbling around, like, who <laughs> knows what he's mumbling. saying. Uh the evil Nordic parents. Uh, that would playing. fit right in. That would fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right they in should just multiverse. They would live in the walls of houses. Totally. And, yeah. Hang out with Penelope. Yeah. Just have a scene with them. That would be great. 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 Great question. Yeah. Very good question. Really like a good cast swap. Let's move to another question here. This is from Stray Bullet. I realize that we'll probably talk about it during Week and Geek, your Patreon exclusive podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. But I'd love to read it. He wrote that down. He wrote that down. No way. 
but he I'd writes our hear- Manscaped ad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I'd love to hear thoughts on the No Way Home trailer, and I really want to know how Pete feels about it losing, feeling loosely based on One More Day. Second part uh, of my question, what if that's not Doctor Strange, but Mephisto as Doctor Strange, and the reason his home is frozen is because hell has literally frozen over. Whoa. Wow. Big question. So... Yeah. Point of nerd clarification, first off, that I just want to throw out there. This is very dumb, but it is not one more day. I saw people tweeting that. People kept being like, oh, man, they're just straight up adapting one more day, or this is an adaptation of one more day. It's not an adaptation of one more day. One more day is the story where Aunt May gets shot, and Spider-Man travels around the Marvel Universe, and everybody's like, oh, no way we could... (laughs) He no only shot old lady. That's not a thing that we could do. Winter Soldier's like, yeah, I got the cybernetic arm, but it doesn't translate to old ladies. I'm sorry about that. So Ant May is super sick. He, he runs out of options. He does go to Doctor Strange. He goes to Iron Man. He goes to Mister Fantastic. He goes to everybody else. And at the end of that, Mephisto comes up and is like, hey, actually, I can heal your Aunt May, but in exchange, I want something for you. I want your marriage to Mary Jane. I want to take something that makes you happy away from you. And so eventually Mary Jane kind of makes the decision for him because Peter will never make the decision. You got a blip and then you end up in Brand New Day. And when Brand New Day starts, nobody knows Peter Parker's identity, which is a thing that happened in the Civil War. You don't know how. And we didn't know how for, I think, a couple of years down the road until Joe Quesada and uh, I'm forgetting, I think it was Javier Polito did the art for it, did a right. story called One Minute in Time which went back and showed what happened leading up to Brand New Day, but it still wasn't Mephisto. What happened in that was because of this alternate history that happened, MJ ended up getting shot. MJ, because she's much younger, could be healed by Doctor Strange. Uh, went to Doctor Strange and was like, yeah, no problem. What I'm also going to do is, I believe, working with Mr. Fantastic and Iron Man, and they wiped the internet and whatever else. They made it so that nobody could remember that Spider-Man was Peter Parker until they told them. And that's that storyline. So it's actually one minute in time is the long explanation there. But I've seen that mistake online a lot, which is fine. It's not a big deal. I mean, it's got uh, essences of it. Sure. Doctor Strange is in it. Spider-Man is in it. That's it. Uh, Don't you think it's going to be Spider-Man has to go into the multiverse to save of course, that's the that's what's happening. But who's the, that's the fun of it. Once he goes in, then we're going to get all these villains, and you know that's well, all the fun. Is he going to go into the multiverse, or is the multiverse going to come to him? Is the question. The other thing that I just want to say about this, while I'm continuing to be like totally annoying about this trailer, is yeah, yeah, very much so. I'm aware, but is that Marvel has never in 24 movies and several TV series at this point, straight up adapted a storyline. Like they've used a tidy bit here and there, but they've very much got in their own direction. So who knows if somebody's going to get shot? Who knows if that's the reason that doesn't even seem to be the reason for the trailer. He's just like getting mobbed and it's frustrating because his life is ruined and he's being held for questioning and the murder of Mysterio. So, I don't know. It's again, we've only seen like a tiny bit of the movie from the trailer, but it seems that is to how me, trailers work. Yes. Yeah. It seems to be like they break the multiverse. Some stuff from the multiverse comes into the MCU versus vice versa. And then and things I, go wild. From there. I don't know. I, I want to say from the train scene where they're on one train and all these other trains unfold, it looks like 
they're going into the multiverse because we'll have all the trains appearing. No, that's the G train. That's how that works. Oh, yeah. Have you ridden the G train? Pete, you don't live in New York, so you wouldn't get it. But like the G train (laughs) is. Yeah. What do you have in Philadelphia? Like horse and buggy or something? Or how do you get around? Dude, we have adorable uh, little trolleys. So back the fuck up. (laughs) Okay. That does sound very cute, actually. Very cute. Real rice aroni situation. It's fucking badass, man. Riding the trolley. Wait, no one's throwing around the word badass when it comes to trolley transportation. I just did. You well, like what did a you, bell? Justin, what did you... We haven't even talked about, like, what did you think of the trailer? Yeah, Justin? we haven't even talked about it. Cause you, I, I mean, I, I like the, well, the, the drips we're getting, and Marvel's just very good at being, like... They give you enough to sort of, for all of us, and like you're saying, Alex, you're complaining about, enough for us to hang ourselves in develop these conversations about what storylines it's based on when in fact it's not going to be based on any of these it's going to be something completely new that 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 pushes through all this because they're telling a macro story so -hmm. they can't just be like here it is it's um spite it's the story that you loved one minute in time or or hated more likely uh it's it's got to be something that fits in a piece and also develops all this other stuff so that's why i think he's going to go into the multiverse to either help uh, uh help the fam or to escape the the badness that he's having in his life and then they come back after him or something. It's like, he's going to make a mistake and it will then cost uh, him, make his life even worse back in New York. So, but I'm excited for it. Yeah. Pete, what about you? What was your take on the trailer? Um, I, I got, I'm, you know, I'm a little worried about this movie uh, just based off of the last one. Um, but I, there's a what lot you, of great. You didn't moments. like the last one. The the last one I was a little you know because we know oh uh, Mysterio God. is bad it, like it was a lot of downtime uh, for mm-hmm. people who know what's up and we had to watch somebody bumble with the cat. I've said this all before. Anyways, I uh, felt the same way. I just want to agree with you, Pete. I felt the same way watching that movie because it's like Spider Man's uh, shooting webs. We know he does that. Get to some exactly. interesting stuff. That's not yeah. At Come all on, saying you. Is he gonna asshole. lay some spider baby eggs or something new? Uh, yeah. Speaking this is of the same thing we've done before, he's putting on the costume. He's uh, hanging out with MJ. Something that hasn't I eaten was... any flies. Mm-hmm. So we have this multiverse, but there's also something in Spider-Man lore. Where that... are his compound eyes? Also something in Spider-Man lore that kind of is similar to this, where we kind of get the the all-knowing spider lady and the different web mm. choices that he can make in life. Um, Mad Spider. So, yeah. Madam so, Madam Web. Web. Um, it's fine. You guys have a red comic, so. Anyways. Yeah, don't give me that. Madam Web is one of those characters. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. She sits in her room and is like on the phone all day. <laughs> Absolutely. She's blind and she's like, well, I heard something about spiders. She's Gwen Stefani in uh, <laughs> the video of Spiderwebs. Yeah. Uh, which I is about think, telephones. I did think that this looked like fun. Uh, Dr. Strange looked hilarious, rocking like a kind of like a winter coat and then having, having like uh, sweat bottoms, uh, even with a cape on. So that looked fun. Uh, looks like he's going through a tough time, like a lot of us. So it'll be interesting to see uh, uh, what what's all happening. But I think they did a good job of getting everybody excited. Uh, you know, everybody's got an opinion or ideas on it, so it's pretty it's pretty exciting. As usual, I'm going to caveat this with, of course, I'm going to see it, and I will probably see it multiple times, and I will enjoy it. But my big concern watching this trailer is my same concern going into the trailer is I worry that there's too much to know getting into this. Like, 
even beyond the fact that you have to have seen the previous two Tom Holland movies to understand what's going in there, and you need to know who Doctor Strange is, and you need to understand Avengers Endgame and everything in the MCU, if they are bringing in all of these people from the Tobey Maguire movies and the Andrew Garfield movies, that's a barrier for people. Whether, and I trust, we've talked about this incessantly, like I trust that they will do it in a way where it's like, Audiences, here's the information you actually need to know to enjoy this movie, because that's what Marvel is very good at. Marvel Studios is really good at that, but there is still that mental block from people where they're like, yeah. uh, what, what's going on here? Am I supposed to know this? And us w- will be watching it and be like, yes, they literally just told you all you need to know to understand it. They'll be like, well, this is too confusing for me. I guess you, you, you want to see the Spider-Man origin. You want to find out how he got his powers. Oh, how did he get his powers? Movie. What happened? a running joke the whole fucking movie. Well, but that's really what I'm saying, Alex. It's funny because we have... Was he born so out of a fun. spider baby egg or what happened from like another Spider-Man? We have talked so much about how we want our comic book movies to move past the origin stories where you don't have to recap that we don't need to see the pearls drop we don't need to see the, the spider very carefully sliding down a thread in, is that uh, how it happens <laughs> i'm not going to spoil it okay. um but i do think they have gotten so good at very coolly getting into the story and giving us the information we need because when you think about it you don't need a ton of context you don't need to be like this is from the other iteration of the spider-man universe where um andrew garfield was spider-man and this was the villain you could just be like this guy's a villain and here's another guy who looks just like him who's also the villain from this universe and it's weird that there are two of them except that the stinger of the trailer is alfred molina showing up as doc ock and saying hello peter if you've never seen those movies what does that mean to you it means there's a scary guy with glasses there, and he knows who Peter is. We That's also right. know who Peter is, and you also have glasses, Pete. And let me say, scary. Yeah. Oh, come on, man. Come, come on. on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Again, this is all through the lens of I'm excited. I got excited when I saw Alfred. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. What are you talking about? I'm gaming it out, man. I'm gaming it out. I'm trying I'm to think about the regular think... people. Because here's here's another thing what I'm saying. This is a big they set this challenge in front of themselves. They were like, we're going to introduce, like they had no, no one was like, we demand to see Alfred Molina. Like no one was like, please <laughs> bring come back. On. He was great. Of course he was great, but no one is like, let's cross the continuity so we can get that Doc Ock in this universe. No one was like, please do that. They well, put this challenge in front of themselves. So I think they want to up the ante and they want to be like, let's scoop all this stuff up because this movie, it may be the teaching movie about how what a multiverse is and how it works for mm-hmm. the whole next iteration of the MCU. I, that's what I think it is. And so I think they are going to be walking us into a lot of information. And the best way to do that in a smart, like it's actually sort of smart maybe, is to go back through Spider-Man's movies and be like, look, this is a different Spider-Man. This is a different universe. Mm-hmm. Here's a villain that you'll recognize because you're a Spider-Man fan. You've probably seen the other movies. So I think this may be a way for them to sort of slow play us into what a multiverse is. And it might actually work better than trying to do it in a, just a chatty way where you don't have concrete examples to use. Or they're thinking, you know what we need is we need to get that amazing uh, Matt Murdock from Netflix over into, uh, you know, the Marvel movie verse so that we're ready for She-Hulk for that to come out. So how mm-hmm. are we going to do that? Okay, we got to do a multiverse. Of what if? So there's all these rumors about Charlie Cox showing up as Dar- Daredevil, right? What if Hell the yeah. big surprise is Spider-Man's lawyer 
is actually Iron Fist, and it's Finn Jones, and he shows up, and he's like, I'm a lawyer. Uh, I was really hoping you were going to say Foggy Nelson, because that would be better. Oh, God, the people are no. dying to see the Foggies from the different multiverse. Did, oh, did you see the extended cut of the trailer? They didn't reveal Charlie Cox, but for some reason, they're like, hey, Foggy Nelson died. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, not cool. It was very it weird. Was, it was out of nowhere. Say, don't put that out there. A paper dropped into the fl- frame, <laughs> and the headline read something else. And then on the very last page of the paper, in very tiny type, they were like, <laughs> What are they going to do? Some, it was one of those interactive. Foggy's already playing happy. How are they going to do that? They're going to be like some random lawyer's friend. No, we have to back it up. (laughs) Those are two different people. Oh, are you talking about for the Ben Affleck movie? Yeah, I'm talking about John Favreau. Oh, your original (laughs) Foggy Nelson? Wait, are you saying you like the Favreau? You're the Favreau Favreau Foggy? I'm a Favreau fan. We know that. That's crazy. (laughs) You don't make any sense. Uh, anyway, great movie. Very excited to check it out. Let's move on to the next question. This is from Kevin. Following up the discussion of effects of a change from vertical to horizontal page orientation, what are some of your favorite comics that broke away from the usual format, and how did they change up the comics form? Well, we would say that Batman one where it went. Uh, yes. That was insane. Yeah. Just and so also, good. while we're something doing, we say all the time, and then yeah. it, we do say that all the time. And while we're doing easy answers, I think also Batwoman, just because we had uh, oh. JH and Hayden but that's on the true. Show. And it is what a mark that left on DC and just all readers and stuff. They tried yeah. to replicate that in a bun- in Batwoman for sure mm-hmm. with other artists and other books. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. That's mm-hmm. that's how special those guys are. Um, that they really just they created a style that no one else could do. And the book Echolands is a perfect example of how they're pushing the borders on that. Yeah. So I mean, cool. pretty much everything that Marcos Martin and Javier Polito do pretty much across Great the answer. board, every one Great of their answer. issues. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think this uh, fills it. X-Men Grand Design as well. That's, that's a good one. call. I, and that's almost not even in a visual format, but just the the whole thing. Yeah. Well, but it's also these really like tight panels across yeah. the board as well. And we were arguing about this a lot on the Patreon Slack today, but Tom King's books also, he really, really tries to play around with his yeah. artists with the visual format on stuff. I think Strange Adventures is a great example of that. Just yeah. flipping between Miss Gerard and Evan Doc Shader. Um, it's real good. I have a sort of a softball of an answer, but um, Saga, the way that every issue would start and end, uh, really, that made me aware of using something subtle that makes that just draws you in immediately and then leaves you with a cliffhanger and a smart one. Yeah. A Trillium by Jeff Lemire, says uh, Derek Mainhart. Another good answer. Yeah. All right. Hawkeye we books were really good at that, too. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a great answer. The Lucky the Pizza Dog issue. Yeah, come on. The best. I can't wait, and I'm also very nervous to see how they do that on TV. It'll be very interesting. Yeah. Eduardo, this is our last question here, says, any favorite Shang-Chi comics storylines that you recommend ahead of the upcoming movie? Uh, I'll tell you what. No. And (laughs) I mean, part of the reason I feel comfortable saying that is the filmmakers, and I feel like we've talked about this on the podcast before, have even said that because there was a lot of very racist depictions of Shang-Chi and his villains, I think Fu Manchu was in it and other characters at certain points, that they felt very comfortable being like, 
Let's take the basics. Nope. <laughs> yeah. His dad is a supervillain. He has left. He is told to come back. That's what we got. Let's kind of start from there and sort of work from there. And I think that's such a smart the, way of doing it. The new book that they just put out was pretty yes. amazing. That's what I was going to say. The new book I actually really liked, and yeah. I think we all did. Uh, maybe it's second or third issue is coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Is this Shang-Chi versus the Marvel Universe? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is super fun, and I think they've specifically designed that to target people that are going to see the movie. Uh, we do have one more, actually, at YouTube that just came in. This is from Lion Man. Were you guys into Chaos Comics back in the day? Whatever happened to Chaos Comics? Anyway, oh, Evil yeah. Ernie would make an awesome movie. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I didn't read a lot of that, a lot of those Chaos Comics, um, but the design, the there were so many ads. I feel like every wizard issue had multiple evil Ernie ads <laughs> in it. Uh, so I, I, it, it's very iconic. It sits in my memory, but um, I never read them. Yeah. Pete, you sound like you were an evil Ernie fan. Yeah. Evil Ernie was fun. You know, that it was chaos. Comics were a great kind of like over the top time of, as far as like what they were kind of doing and how kind of, uh, uh, over the top it was. So it was kind of like uh, fun for me. I don't have any information on what happened oh, to them or whatever. But... Lady Death was the other big mm-hmm. character there. That yeah. we, I feel like well, we did read some of those for the show. Yeah. But when we had Jesse on, uh, he was doing like a bunch of like cool even Arnie stuff. Jesse Blaze Snyder. Yeah. The or, or when we when we had Jesse Jackson on. <laughs> no, it was it's Jesse like, Blaze Snyder. You always get those Ernie. two Jesse's confused. Yeah. They the both rebooted Evil Ernie, though. That was the yeah, that's part. the thing. That's a tough thing, yeah. Uh, great. Thank you for your questions. We're going to move on with our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. Oh, boy. i got to do stuff. All right. This is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars in the form of a Midtown Comics online gift card. Uh, Zelbin, do we have a pre-selected? We do not have a pre-selected okay. guest this time. I'll just remind everybody: we've had a couple of people that have uh, bailed on it. It's pretty rude. So oh, I'm gonna I'm they. gonna drop. People have plans. Once again, the link in the chat here. If you would like to sign up for an upcoming date, please do. We would love to have you on, and you are guaranteed to walk away with twenty five dollars. Anyone on YouTube or Crowdcast, just put first hand up, or I would like to participate, or. Yeah, anybody Justin who would like to or fuck you, Alex. You know, whatever That's typical confusing. things we say on this show, you mm-hmm. know, kind of the, to, just to kind of put out there to get a fun volunteer for this. And they will win guaranteed $25. Anybody? Nobody, I guess. This I'm, put, is, this I'm is putting great. the guarantee on you. There's you guaranteed to win. There's Can no I way he's going to pull out the easy questions that he never asks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Oh, do we have uh, I'm working, Pete, at Sport Group Bro, but I'm ineligible. Now Shane's, Shane's eligible. Oh, hand up. We got straight yeah, bullets. Yeah, straight bullies. There we go. Straight bullet. How many men have this? is like when had. you listen to the podcast. Is this a fun section of the show? Yeah. Great question. Hey, hey Brad, hey. hello. Dinner. I'm in the middle of cooking dinner. Oh, no. <laughs> is this guy ever not cooking? That's my question. That's really good. That's a dumb question. Look at it. All right. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Living the life. Very Absolutely. cool. Is it raining in your living room? Oh, by the way, you know, I try to keep it real. I try uh-huh. to keep it fun. 
Right. You know, I try to keep uh-huh. the cocktails every week fun. Oh my gosh, you're doing a great you job. Know, you're doing a great job. Always be out for doing something cool. Try to keep it fun for everybody. Oh, I guess you abandoned the cocktails. Yeah, the try city. working with this guy forever. Yeah. I eat <laughs> at your soul, man. I had a whole you bottle do all of this vermouth. work, and then he just I smelled out. it. I smelled it, and it had gone sour. And I was like, Alex, oh, I feel like you, you did not need to pour out this bottle of vermouth. It was gross. I mean, it probably was gross. Yeah. I've had it for like six or seven months at this point. Yeah. It was sorry. Crazy. I'm walking around. I was, in and I'm the only person in my family who has vermouth. Trivia, so. I keep offering yeah. vermouth to my 11 year old yeah. and my seven year old, and they won't have yeah. it. Put it on their cereal. Look at that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so nice. Look at that. That's fun. Who wrote that? I, I have no idea, but do you we want should to have get them on the show. Week? Yeah. yeah. Yes. There's no author. <laughs> oh, perfect. That's yeah, how you can no, tell you've got no a good author. book when nobody wants to put their name on it. Yeah. All right. All right. This is great. So trivia. Today's, today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend Sonny Chiba. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Okay, here we go. Question number one. In November, who is coming back to New York City in the new Hawkeye book? Is it A, Kate Bishop, B, Stay Kickup, or is it C, Zachary Ty Bryan? So it's either A, which is the only one that makes sense, or you could be completely wrong. I'll pick A. A is correct. Well wow. done, sir. This guy's a pro. Speaking I've, of November, I've done, this. I've done this before. Marvel's Voices Heritage Speaking Number One spotlights indigenous characters and blank. Is it A, caretakers, B, creators, or is it C, Brian T? So is it A, which is incorrect? Or you can pick B, creators. Yeah. Yeah. Super looking forward to that. Here we go. Last one. What DC comic is teasing the return of a long, long DC character? Is it A, Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me, B, the infinite frontier, or is it C, Bow Wow? It's either B, which is the only one that makes sense. There you go. $25 yours. All right. Congratulations. You have won $25 at Midtown Comics. Thank you. We will get that right off to you. And I apologize about the cocktails. I swear (laughs) I will drink a cocktail next week. So I am going to design, I am going to design a cocktail for Nat Townsend called the Gut Punch. That's very that. funny. If Pete can't punch him in person, he might as well <laughs> punch him through a cocktail. Is it gonna have boiled uh baseball gloves in it? Instead <laughs> of ice cubes. Baseball gloves. Right. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I'm very excited about this. I'll tell you what, uh in case anybody hasn't listened to this podcast before, you decide to drink called the Pete Palmer, yeah. a fancied up version of Pete's Arnold Palmer with vodka. I have had that several times, like having nothing no, to do with the two. show. It's... I actually had one this afternoon. I was oh my sitting God. in my school. It's so back. refreshing and good. It's, it's so a good. really good drink. The only one that hasn't had it is Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically Classic. so. Classic. Uh, that's great. Uh, Brett, good seeing you. Thanks for coming on. Congrats You're on the, man, the gift Brett. card. We'll check you out. Love you, man. Bye. All right. Yeah. There we go. Uh, now, I just wanted to quickly say, uh, yes, oh, yeah. it was the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, in case you were wondering. Uh, the tribute to Sony Chiba. Yep. His most well-known movie. Thank you for calling that out, Pete. Really appreciate it. We are going to plug some comics because comics come on out all the time and we they love sure comics. Do. What are you looking forward to, Pete? 
Well, I'll tell you, uh, before we even had our guests on, I wrote down Echo Lands number one because of the panels alone. The art and the designs of the panels are just so amazing and breathtaking it and really like, so different. We read comics all the time. This is such a treat to open up and explore. I, I was just so impressed with this book, and I can't wait to talk about it more. Justin, what about you? I mean, you know, we have our things that we say in this time, and I'm going to say one of them here. I got to give it up for Ice Cream Man number 25. Yes. I mean, like, I feel like I haven't, it it feels like it's been longer than a month since the last one, and Mm -hmm. this one really hit home on all the Ice Cream Man fronts. I mean, it will when I read it tomorrow, probably, (laughs) uh, because I'm looking forward to this great, great comic that is dark as hell. I'm looking forward to Amazing Fantasy number two from Marvel. This is from Kare Andrews. And the first issue was very weird, very wild. Yes. With Spider-Man, Black Widow, and Captain America dying and ended up in some sort of transitory heaven straight out of a 50s or 60s sci-fi fantasy novel per the title. So very curious about the second issue. And those are all titles that we're going to talk about in the Stack podcast. Yes, Pete. Also, once in future number nineteen, which is uh, yeah, you love a good grandma, uh, good night well, grandma. Love it. That's one of your. Hey, I love a good grandma. All of those are going to be in our Stack Podcast that comes out Wednesday at nine a.m. Both in the Comic Book Club feed and in its own dedicated Stack feed. And folks, that is it for this week's show. Couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Shane Berryhill for being on the show. Yeah, Shane. Check out Jason and the Olympians on woo-hoo, Kickstarter woo-hoo. until September 12th. Also, J.H. Williams III and W. Hayden Blackman. Oh, Image Great. Man, Echo Lands is out absolutely tomorrow. It's a can't mix, miss. It's so good. Uh, next week on the show, we're going to have Trung Lee Nguyen is going to be here to talk about the magic fish. And also, yeah. Eric Powell is going to be here. From Lagoon and Hillary yes. and many oh, other yeah, things. That's so that should be sick. an exciting chat. A couple of other things I want to plug. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast, is going through What If every Wednesday, so you can check that out. Riverdale After Dark, our Riverdale podcast, also every Wednesday, so you can check that out. Star that's Guys, so our Star Girl podcast, goes up Tuesday night, so we got to rush off and tape tonight's episode, you guys. Oh, yes, we do. Absolutely. We have to go do that right now. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, Comic Book Club Live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Don't talk just, over the ending credit cards because I just want to see the spider eggs, Pete. I just want to see him lay some spider eggs. That's it. Went out of his butt. Spider eggs out of his butt. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.